Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm your host, April Fallon. I am the mother of four adopted children, and we love doing this show because we love to bring out adoption stories. Whether you are an adoptee, a birth parent, or you're an adoptive parent, we want to hear your stories. I can't believe that we are in season six, and we're so glad that you're here joining us on this episode. You are going to love this episode. When I got this email. I read it and thought this woman should write a book first. Secondly, I thought the tenacity that she had inspired me to pick the music in the beginning of our show now and really feel like tenacity is what people need when they're going through an adoption. And she just did not give up. And so I'm excited to introduce her, Rochelle is a preschool teacher from Southern Illinois, and she was a mom that was called to adopt. Rochelle, welcome to the show. Thanks, April. Glad to be here. Now, I think you're a great writer. Thank you. You told me your whole entire story, but I was riveted. The way you write, I could see you saying that, and I don't even know you, but I could just see the things that you were going through when you were on your adoption journey. Let's start at the very beginning. Because you knew you were called to adopt when you were young. Is that correct? Yes. I was 13, actually, about 13. I went on a missionary trip to the Philippines with my parents, and we went to an orphanage. And there I met two little girls that I was really close to. And when I left the orphanage there, I just bawled like a baby. And I'm not the type that usually cries at all, but I just bawled and bawled and bawled. And I, I really wanted somebody to adopt. Um, one of them wasn't adoptable. And the other one was, and I tried to beg my parents to adopt. We actually, I had two little brothers at the time too. So they weren't really looking to adopt. Um, I had a youth pastor and his wife, and they actually were struggling with infertility. So I tried to convince them to adopt this little girl and they actually were pursuing it. And then they actually became pregnant and then decided not to. And that really broke my heart. Oh my gosh. It was at the time, you know, I was young and I didn't understand like why they couldn't do both and just, you know, just didn't understand. But so, yeah, that was where it all started for me was back in the Philippines. And I just knew that I wanted to adopt. And so moving forward, when I met Zach, you know, I talked to him about adoption while we were dating and told him that was something I really wanted to do. Actually, there was a time where I just wanted to adopt and I didn't even want to have biological kids. I'll, I'll just admit it. You know, of course, now it's hard to say that because I have two biological children that I love so much. But how did he take it? Was he on board? Yeah, he was supportive of it. I He wanted to have biological kids first. And so um, we did. We had two when I was pregnant with Evie. And I actually like tried. There was times, you know, it's like, oh, we don't need to adopt. Like I actually tried to get it out of my head a little bit. Like, I don't know. I thought maybe I would outgrow it, I guess. And I just didn't. Um, anytime I things would happen or a story would come up or I'd be like at a conference or something would happen and I would just start bawling. And like I said, I don't ever cry. So it's just a weird thing that would just come over me. And I was just like, I just know, I just know I'm supposed to adopt. Even when I was pregnant with Evie, like I was bawling because I'm just like, I just know this is something we need to do. And we really need to like, you know, look into this further. 
So when Evie was two, we decided that this is the time to look into it. And, and we did. And I, and I wanted to adopt like in the Philippines or, you know, across country, like that's what I always thought of that I would do. But um, of course I didn't know much about adoption. So when I started looking into it, I was like, uh, they have a lot of rules and, you know, I'm like, I'm not sure if this, you know, is going to work for us, the international adoption. And I found out more about domestic adoption and just really started doing my research. I looked into a lot of agencies. And of course, when I saw the cost of some of those agencies, I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know. Did you uh, factor in when you were 13 years old, uh, the amount of money it takes to adopt? <laughs> No, no, I'm I know. not. <laughs> it's a big surprise. And I, my story is like yours as well, that I always knew I was going to adopt. And then I saw that it was like $30,000. That was the first price tag, so to speak, that I looked at because I wanted to go to Kazakhstan. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even afford. I can't even afford this. Yeah. And then, of course, with some agencies, they have price differences on different races and stuff like that. And, um, of course, we were open to any race. That wasn't an issue for us. But still, the cost was significant. And so we decided to talk to some people um, around us. And um, we decided that looking into a smaller agency would cut our cost in about half. We decided to try that route out. So we went with some smaller agencies around us. And that people that I had known had some good luck there and they adopted and had success stories. So we, we tried that out. And that's pretty much where our story began with the adoption journey. And that was all the way back in uh, 2016 is when we first met with our attorney. And then 2017 is when um, we actually were home study approved. Did people say to you, why are you doing this? You can have children. Yes, but the people that knew me, the people that were close to me, they, you know, they knew that this was always on my heart. So they didn't really ask those questions about why are you doing this actually came a lot more later mm-hmm. <laughs> in our journey. Right. But so with our first match, it came pretty quickly and um, it was up north a little from us. And we met the girl. She was African-American. And so that was my first experience. Like, I'll be honest, in our town, there's not a lot of, we're we're mostly all white, but that, you know, I wanted to, so I, we always go back and forth with, is that what's best for the child to have, you know, mostly a white environment and things like that. But for me, I was like, I know love is a big thing. And, you know, you could go back and debate so many things in that area. Mm -hmm. But for us, it was like, we're going to let God lead us where he wants us to be. So we went to it. She chose us out of three other couples. And I went, I had meetings with her. I met with her like probably three other times, you know, met out, we went, went out for supper. I went to the ultrasound and all that. But then there started being like red flags and they were small at first. And I started telling my attorney, but every time I told my attorney, she would talk with her and they, it all would check out. But then my attorney came back to me and said, hey, I just found out that you're because we were paying the birth mother expenses. And at first she was like, it's only going to be this much. And we're like, OK, we can we can handle that. But then it's kept raising each month. She's like, oh, I need this. Or, oh, I need this. Oh, I need this. And of course, we we're going to be like, no, you know, we wanted to help her out. But at the same time, it was strapping us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, you know, we weren't fully developed in our jobs and, you know, we're young and. For us, you know, you're kind of like living paycheck to paycheck. So it was just hard for us to 
to pay for all of our utilities and then also be paying for the birth mother's things as well. And especially when she kept raising the price on us. And then we found out that we were paying for her rent and that rent was actually going to a friend and not an actual landlord. And that was our big red flag that we're like, okay. The money was going to a friend? What do you mean? One of her friends. And was the friend giving her then the money? I'm guessing so, yes. Or they were splitting it. Did you ask her? So my attorney mm-hmm. did. And then she actually produced documents that looked legit, but they were fake. They were fake documents proving that she was the landlord. They weren't real. I mean, they looked like if I would have looked at them, not knowing what a, what a document like that looked like, I would think, oh, it's typed. It looked, you know, it looked, it looked legit, but it was not. It was not a real document. Um, stating that she was a landlord. It was just a, yeah, just a friend. And I, and then it made me start to wonder, has she done this before? Like, and then after doing a lot of research and talking to a lot of people, I found out that this is becoming way more common. Mm -hmm. You know, they're getting more crafty in their skills. And I don't know, I don't know if there's just like a bunch of people like that. And it's just a sad, it's a very sad thing. And at the time, people were like, well, do you want to, you know, prosecute prosecute her? Do you want to you know, <laughs> but she was pregnant, right? She was pregnant. Yes, I went to the ultrasound. Yes, she was pregnant. Did she end up placing? No, she did not. She, she did, did not, not end up placing. She I parented. We mm-hmm. found Facebook. I found her Facebook. She said that in her Facebook, it said that she is from San Antonio, Texas, not from Illinois. So I mean, she was hard to find, but it was her. It was her, and it, on her Facebook, it it you know showed her belly a lot. And she was so excited to have this baby girl, and she even had a name picked out, like. So oh yeah, I, I, this is all, yeah, this was mm-hmm. all a scam. She was just using us for money and I did not, I did not want to deal with it anymore. I just wanted to move on. So I said, you know, I don't want to have to go to court or deal with anything. I don't want to have to drive up here anymore because it was three hours North from me. And I'm like, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to prosecute her, you know, start, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going to move on. We're done. And can you tell us how much money you lost in that one? Um, well, it was 8,000. Oh my gosh. And you didn't get that money back? Yes and no. So when you actually have a failed adoption, you can take that off on your taxes. So there's tax write-off thing and that can help you get some tax. That's kind of great. But then if you actually adopt, you're going to want to take those expenses off as well. And then, and then that wouldn't, if I would have adopted in that year, that wouldn't have counted. Right. You can only take off one, I'm pretty sure. Right. Yeah. And there's only, isn't there a, gosh, it's been a while since I've done this and they've changed it, but I think it's, it was up to like 12,000 you could get back in taxes. Yeah. It's like 14 now. 14. Okay. So you lose 8,000, you're moving on. Were you like, maybe this is not the road for us or you didn't give up? I didn't really feel like that at that time. I just, my eyes were more open to what can happen. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be more careful. You know, I'm going to look for those red flags. If that happened to come up, I'm not going to you know, I'm not going to keep giving money <laughs> each mm-hmm. month and just hoping that it all turns out. Like, I'm not going to do that. We're going to be more careful this time. And so that's what we did. And then I, I think at that time, maybe I'm trying to think, I mean, we have so much of our story that we might've joined another smaller agency. So you actually had to pay like $5,000 down to join this agency, but then, you know, do all the stuff to the application fee and all that. But again, I was still trying to keep our costs down. So we were just trying to stick with those small agencies around us. So at this time, I had 
two agencies I was under and an adoption attorney who also will place. So we had like three, three eggs in baskets, right? <laughs> I'm like, surely, surely we're going to get something out of this. And um, we met a couple of others during that time. We met a lady that she had a, a drug problem. So she was in her 20s, but she looked like she was 50, unfortunately. And while talking to her, you know, she was so kind. She was so nice, but she had been through so much in her life. She was currently, she had just actually got abused that night before. And she was staying in a shelter when we met her and she chose us. But after talking to her, she wasn't being very open with a lot of her information. And we just decided, okay, there's one of those red flags. And we really talked to ourselves like we were really going to be careful. Like if we had red flags, we're saying no, like we're Mm -hmm. not going to go through this again. So we, so we said no to her. We said no. And, you know, we just prayed that she would find the right right person for her situation. Then we met another lady. She was also African-American that had a little baby boy in the hospital. She actually had him. She went into labor, didn't even know she was pregnant. Wow. People think that that is not possible. They're like, those are made up stories, but it happens. We told yeah. We told a story about a girl playing. She was an athlete soccer player and she had stomach problems and she went to the hospital and she had a baby. So it does happen. Yes. And she had two little boys at home and she just knew that she couldn't take care of another one. We met her and it was between us and another couple. And I honestly thought she was going to choose us. I really did. And I think the agency worker thought so too, but as it turned out, she didn't. So we were like waiting around in this town, waiting for her to make her decision. And and then and then we even packed our bags or overnight bags to stay at the hospital and then, um, you know, to be prepared. And then, of course, she didn't choose us. So I was like, okay, okay, well, let's just, you know, I'm like, we're not going to give up. So then we get a call and we met this couple and they were young out of high school and they chose us. Okay. And there was no like, oh, we're going to maybe choose you. It was like, no, they definitely chose us. We are chosen. So we are now placed again. Okay. So this is our second actual placement. Not just like, hey, I'm maybe going to choose you. We were matched. And when we met with them, they were young. They were out of high school. They, you know, they knew they couldn't raise a baby. They pretty much didn't even talk about the baby the whole time or anything about birth related. They just pretty much talked about their high school trauma, which is funny. We just kind of played in with it. You know, we just talked about what they wanted to talk about. But the, the agency worker said that the interview couldn't have went better and, you know, everything was great and weeks went by and we were paying the fees and doing all that. And then I get a text that said, Hey, um, the, the dad's dad would like them to parent and they're trying to convince them to parent. And I'm like, okay, all right. Well, you know, and I'm like, and I'm like okay, well, are, does that mean they're done? And they're like, no, they're still talking with us. I'm like, okay. So then we paid another month's fees and then, hmm. and then we don't hear anything. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? They don't hear anything. And I'm like, well, you can pay the another month's fee. Maybe they're just, you know, getting cold feet and we'll give them time, which I totally respect. They need, they need all this, you know, it's their child. They need all that time mm-hmm. to make that, that decision. And so I'm just letting them have their time. But after a while, it's like, okay, we're not hearing back from them and they're not calling the agency back. And I feel like maybe we should not keep paying fees if right. we're not hearing anything. <laughs> I'm like, I feel like maybe we should stop the fee payment thing going on right now. Right. And so we did. And of course they didn't hear back from them. They, they did end up having a little 
girl and, you know, they did parent her. So, which is great. And they had a lot of support. I mean, I know they were young and they weren't ready, but they had a lot of family support. And so I'm sure they're doing well, but so moving on. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. I have lots of my story. <laughs> so then it went to the summer of 2019 went and then we, I'm getting ready to start school in the fall. And then we get a call, like it's the second day of school and I'm a teacher and you're just usually like that time is just stressful for teachers because you're starting school and there's just a lot going on. And I get a call that we have a baby and I'm like, what do you mean we have a baby? Like, oh, we're meeting another birth mom again. You know, I'm not really that excited. And they're like, no, I mean, you have a baby at the hospital that you need to come to. I'm like, what? And I just, of course, I'm like, I can't even believe it because we've just been through so much already. I'm like, no, like, no way. And they're like, yes. And then I'm like, okay, okay. And I didn't want to tell my family because we had already done that previously with the last match that mm-hmm. we had. You know, we said all the fun ways, like, you're going to be a grandparent again type of thing. And it didn't work. So I'm like, we're not doing that again. We're going to, you know, we're going to go see the baby, make sure everything, you know, goes, goes smoothly. So we head down to the hospital. And on the way, I FaceTime one of the agency workers, and I see this little, beautiful, full head of hair, rosebud lips, little baby. And she's so precious and so beautiful. And I'm like, that's, that's my baby. Like, and I can, I cannot believe it. I'm At this like, time, how oh. old are your kids? Well, when we started, when Evie was like, Evie was two and a half when we started. And then, cause I had, actually, when Evie was so little, I actually thought when we started our adoption journey, I thought, oh no, I'm so scared that Evie's going to still be in diapers and I'm going to get another baby and I'm going to have two babies in <laughs> diapers. And then, yeah. And then Evie's actually so old when we finally, you know, she's seven now. <laughs> But at that end, 2019, she wasn't a baby or she was still in diapers? No, no. Evie would have been, well, she was born in 2014. I can't do my math right now. Okay. Okay. So she's like five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's five. Yeah. So when we go get this little baby girl, we go to the hospital, you know, I'm like shaking. I just cannot believe this is happening. I see this beautiful baby. I name her Rowan. And I wanted to find out the mom's name. So what happened with Rowan is her mom pretty much just left at the hospital. Like they, I, I guess she chose, a per- she didn't even see the baby, I guess. They said that she didn't even see the baby. She just like left. But then I was kind of confused on that. Cause I'm like, well, then how did she end up picking us like out of the books? I don't know. But anyway, she did choose us. There were some books that she left at with a worker and she left the hospital. She was not there when we got there. Um, which is crazy. Cause she just had a baby <laughs> and she left. Right. She wasn't even there same day. And so we named her Rowan. I really wanted to find out the mom's name because I wanted to honor her, like whatever, like whether we were going to have an open adoption with her or not. I didn't know what was going to happen, of course, because I didn't get to talk to her and we didn't get to set up a plan or none of that. So, but I really wanted to honor her and I convinced somebody to let me have the mom's first name. <laughs> so that way I could use that first name for her middle name. And I did. And we'll just say it's Bree. Um, but anyway, so I used the middle name and then. I stayed at the hospital with her. I had my parents come down. They got to meet Rowan. You know, my husband stayed with me. He stayed the Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And then Thursday, we were getting discharged. The mom wasn't supposed to sign paperwork until Friday morning. She had been talking with the agency worker, and she was going to sign Friday morning. And they said, well, do you want to stay here another night until she signs? And I was like, well, if we're discharged, can we just go home? And they said, yes. 
if you want to. And I, I called my attorney and I talked to her and she's like, well, normally they stay there in the hospital until they sign. But I'm like, none of us were worried about it because, you know, mom got up and left and everything was going so smoothly. So we're like, okay, well, we'll just take her home because we really wanted her to meet our kids, Britton and Evie. You know, we wanted them to meet their, their sister. So we went home Thursday night, you know, had more people, of course, come and, and see her. And then we went to bed. She was such a good baby, by the way. <laughs> so good. So perfect. And then we woke up that morning and I got a text that said, the birth mom's having second thoughts. You need to, you need to come. And I was like, what? Like, are you kidding me right now? And I didn't even know what to think. I thought, okay, okay. All right. And I'm like, all right, God. And I really like at first I was like so upset, but at the same time I would kind of wasn't because I kind of thought, okay, I'm just going to talk to the mom. Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk to her and be like, Hey, we're going to have an open relationship. You can still see her. Mm -hmm. You know, I send you pictures. We can call each other, you know, and you can come to her birthday parties, all the stuff. So I'm like, I'll just tell her all mm -hmm. this and I'll make her feel more. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. So I just like prayed all the way down. It was like two hours south of us. I'm just going to, and we prayed all the way there that everything's going to be okay. You know, everything's going to be okay. Well, when I walked in, the mom was sitting there and she's of course bawling. And she's like, can I hold her? And I'm and I said, of course. And I hand her over. And then she said, I can never let her go. Oh my gosh. And then I just, I just, of course, start bawling. I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to say. I'm my husband doesn't know what to say or do. And I'm just I don't even know. Like I just like I'm just like standing there, just bawling, like what do I do right now? Like I don't even know what to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't and I said okay and we just talked just a little bit and then it was like what do you there's nothing to say. There's nothing to say here. What so, about your plan? Did you just feel like you couldn't, you couldn't say it? Like you weren't going to be able to talk her out of it? And I could just tell, like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I feel like I said, I feel like if we take her home with us, you will still get to see her. You will still get to see her. I promise you, you, you mm -hmm. can have an open relationship. And still see her. I'm like, but if you take her home, we will never see her again. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, but it, I could tell it just didn't matter. And I did not want to keep like begging her. For, for her child. Right, right. <laughs> it's her child. It is her child. It's her child. Oh, it's so hard. And I bet the agency felt really bad for letting you take the baby home. And I bet that's why they don't do it, right? Is because this could happen. And it's so much more devastating when you take the baby home and you introduce the baby to your kids. And I mean, we had a, a very similar situation. And it was like, then we had to go home and be like, well, that really wasn't your brother. You know, or you had to go home and say, well, okay, well, that wasn't your sister. And it's easy to, to get angry. Did you feel angry at her? I was not angry at the birth mom. No, no. my husband was angry. I, I, when I, when we walked out of the room and I didn't let myself completely like fall apart till we left, like went outside the building. I didn't want to do that to the mom and make her feel horrible, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I walked out of the building, I, I fell, I fell to the ground. Mm. Like, I just fell. And I just wept and wept. And I'm like, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. And I'm like, why would God do this? Why mm -hmm. would God put adoption on my heart? You know, when we're going through this, like, why would he do this to us? We don't have to adopt. You know, we don't have to do that. We can have our own kids. We have two beautiful kids. Why would you do this to me, God? 
And my husband, of course, he just left. He was so angry. He couldn't even, he had to get out. Like he was just so mad. <laughs> so, and then the drive home, the drive home, you just feel oh, like. I know. Did you have an empty baby carrier? Of course. It's like somebody is going home with an empty baby carrier, so to speak, yeah. you know, and that's, it's yeah. like, I, I so sympathize with you. And then you're so wise to be like, it's her baby, you know, because I've had birth moms on the show and it's mm -hmm. so hard to, to place your baby. And if you want a parent, you should parent. And so mm -hmm. she did have that choice. It's just, oh, it's just so heartbreaking. And I can totally understand why your husband was angry, you know, because it's like you went through this whole thing and it's not your baby. And it's really just grief more than anger. Yes, I, my husband was more on the angry side and I was more on just the sad, like, how are we going to come back from this? And my husband even said, you know, like, I don't want to go to church again. Mm. He's like, how is our marriage going to survive this type of thing? Mm -hmm. And you are in that grief. You, you think those things and you feel those things very deeply. And as time, like even the next day, I mean, your perspective of things is going to change um, a little bit. <laughs> and I, not that time heals because it doesn't, but it, it helps, I guess, in a sense. Just going back into the grief, I remember going into the little crib and just feeling so sad. And other people were like, you you had him for like a couple days, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, you know, you just, you don't understand. We waited, we walked through this, we brought the baby home, we celebrated, you know, this was it. And now there's no baby, there's empty baby carriage, there's an empty room. It was a loss. And I think people didn't really allow me to grieve that because it wasn't, you know, you didn't have them for a long time or, but it is a loss. It is devastating. Very much so. So we actually got out of town because we didn't want to face them in a small town and everybody's talking. I mean, I hadn't put the book, but you know, you, you tell a few family members, it was already out. Everybody knew that we had a baby and now, now we don't have a baby. And how are you going to tell people that? And I just told my family, please tell everybody, you know, because I don't want to talk. I don't want to tell them. Mm -hmm. And of course that message doesn't get relayed to everybody because like uh, that weekend, we actually went to my nephew's or my niece's birthday party. And I was standing by her stroller and somebody walks up to me and says, can I see your baby? And I'm like, what baby? You know, and they didn't realize that we didn't have the baby. <laughs> and that wasn't your stroller. That was not my stroller. But anyway, this is a big thing. So when we um, went out of town, I decided to help. Like I was, to help my grief. I was going to message the mother and just say, hey, you know, you are Rowan's mom. There are, I do not have any ill feelings towards you. You know, you, you need her and she needs you. And I don't even remember what I all said in that. I mean, I have it. I have it somewhere. I, I kept it. But I don't remember what I all said in that text. But I just, you know, wanted to encourage her. And she actually told me that she kept the name Rowan for her. Aww. And she did. Yeah. That is so cool. I mean, you were part of this baby's life. And even for, for a second, you know, and you got to name this forever name to this child. That's so amazing. Even though it's so sad, it's like, I'm so glad you texted her too. We once had uh, a parent change their mind. Well, we've had a couple, but I remember thinking the same thing. I'd been through a lot at that point. And I texted her because I wanted her to know that I supported her, 
even though I was devastated, I was happy that she was choosing to parent and that she she wanted to keep mm-hmm. the baby. And then, you know, it worked out, but I, uh, and she called me later and we adopted the next baby. But I don't know that if I had not sent that, that we'd have that connection. And so I just think it's cool that, you know, you connected and found that piece of information out and extending that sort of like olive branch or just this kindness and grace, even through pain is, is remarkable. And it, it's for your good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, well, we, everybody kept saying, you need to take a break. You need to take a break. And they had said that before. But at this point, I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe we should take a break and really think about what we want to do next. Like what, and just really pray about where God wants us to be, because this does not feel like it's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I mean, there was part of me that was like, honestly, and I, and I think this so much that I'm thankful that we were chosen with the first one that was a scam. And the second one, and then of course, with the third one that we lost Rowan, I'm thankful that we were chosen because we have two biological children. And I always kept thinking, what if, what if a couple that couldn't have kids that were struggling with infertility, what Mm -hmm. if they would have been matched and this would have happened to them? That would have just broke them. Mm -hmm. They might have not continued to adopt because, or never had kids in their entire life because that would have just broke them. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I thought. You know, and I thought, oh, I'm like, we have two beautiful kids that we can go home to. You know, I'm like, so I just got to be thankful that we were the ones chosen, that we were the ones matched with this because it could have been so much worse. Mm Mm-hmm. What a kind thing to think. What a sweet thing to think about. Unfortunately, there are those stories, though, that, you know, they they went home and they didn't have any children. And it's a part of their journey as well. But yes, I can. And I feel like that sometimes with our adoptions, too. It was like we had a lot of resources and support. So what we went through, I'm like, I'm glad it was us (laughs) that went through that. Yeah. So we were at a crossroads of what we were going to do next. And I was pretty much done with domestic adoption. Like, I thought maybe we like maybe we did the wrong thing by joining the small agencies. You know, we should have went with a bigger one and spent more money and we would have had, you know, just we wouldn't have had this problem, you know. And not that it was it was not the agency's fault at all, by any means. It was not theirs. But I just so we were deciding like whether we do that. And I did not I did not want to spend any more money because we had already been paying money for like three years, you know, into this. And I'm like, I don't want to pay any more money. Um and so we looked, decided to look into foster care again. And that scared me. That scared me. Um, we had actually thought about that at the very beginning. And then a DCFS worker told us, you know, if you just want to adopt, you just need to adopt the domestic. You don't need to do the foster to, foster to adopt. And, and, and I was fine with that because I really didn't want to get attached to a kid and have them go home. I didn't, that, you know, I was mm-hmm. scared of foster care. I didn't know enough about it. And it just scared me. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to talk to an agency worker. I'm going to have him come to my house. We're going to just have a sit and talk. And then I can make my decision, you know, whether like, hey, this is for us or this isn't for us. So that's what happened. And she came to our house and we had this really long talk. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to do it. But I'm also going to leave my domestic adoption opened. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and leave that open because I'm just going to kind of see where God where do you want us to be? So if you want us to have a foster kid, hey, we'll get a call for a foster kid. Or hey, if you want us to have a domestic, you know, adoption placement, then we'll get a call for that. So both areas are open. Where do you want us? And that's what we did. And then we got a call about um, a little boy 
that was in the hospital and he was born drug exposed, but they said he was healthy. He wasn't going through any drug withdrawals. And I was like, okay, okay. And I didn't really think like, this is my child. Like I wasn't thinking that, but I just thought, you know what? My mom said that she would help me. I'm like, okay, this is what foster care is all about. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go help this little boy. So that's what we did. We went and picked him up and we brought him home. And then he started having drug withdrawals, unfortunately. And of course, that was kind of scary because they said he wasn't. And then he started to and he started shaking and things. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can handle this because I'm not knowledgeable enough what to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) in these circumstances. And well, we only ended up having him three weeks. Actually, he ended up going to a family member. When we got the call about him, they said there was no good family member. And that's why I'm like, okay, we're going to take him because there's nowhere for him to go. But we had him for three weeks. And then he went to a family member. So were you devastated or were you prepared? Um, I wasn't, I was a little hesitant. I didn't really want him to go to the family members because I hadn't heard good things about it, the family. So I was worried for his safety. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit shocked that that was happening. Um, But I was able to, I was able to get that lady's number and text her and she texted me and sent me pictures. And that really, I feel like that always helps. Mm -hmm. Like the openness ways for me, just knowing that they're okay that is always helpful to me Yeah, to know. So, um, but yeah, so I was just worried about his safety, but then he ended up leaving that home and there was a whole court ordeal and I don't even know. But anyway, so there, you know, a few months passed and then we get another call. Um, so that was the beginning of the school year. And then in like November we get another call and I was actually out with one of my best friends who was one of my adoption supporters. I feel like, I, I mean, I have, I have friends, but I feel like there's only a few that actually supported my adoption because, you know, after we went through so much, people, the support kept getting less and less, mm-hmm. um, mostly because people just didn't understand why we kept pursuing it after we've been through so much and why we couldn't just be happy with Britain and Evie. And I'm like, it's not that I'm not happy with Britain and Evie. You know, I love, my, I love my, I love my kids, but. I feel like I'm called. Like every time I try to be like, I'm not going to adopt like something, it just was, it would not leave my heart. And so that's why we were still in it. Oh my goodness. So then we get to this little girl and we foster her for six months and she's awesome and we love her. And then she ends up, she's never met her dad in her entire life, but actually her dad is who ends up getting her um, to the court. And really hard because she never even knew him her mm-hmm. her whole first year but she went with him and she's she is safe and she is she's safe she's loved she's cared for and I you know I can't be upset about that even though we loved her so much and you know we would have we would have kept her forever we would have but it just wasn't wasn't meant to be so then a year passes and then we get another call and then we end up with our baby girl Brooklyn and that is that she became our forever child. <laughs> oh my goodness. How long into it did you know you were keeping Brooklyn? We got her in right right around school time again, right around the beginning of school again. And we knew and the parents told us around Christmas time that they were thinking about letting us, you know, adopt her because they were young and they thought that we were what's best for her. And then in March they actually signed. And then five days before Christmas, this past Christmas, we adopted her. Oh, 
that is so great. But now, okay, everybody that's listening to the story, now do you see why I said tenacity? I mean, you guys had so much tenacity. You just kept going. You just knew that this is what you were called to do. At some point, I think I would have either gotten a really hard heart and just given up. I mean, and no one would have blamed you, but you just kept going. And you, it seems like through your story, you got more and more grace. Like you got nicer and nicer to me. You know, you would think that you would stop reaching out or stop, I don't know, trying and you didn't. It it seemed like you made a change from I'm passionate, I want to do this to just I don't, I don't, I always struggle with this word. Is it tougher or grittier? Um, but just stronger, I guess. And in your strength, you also became more gracious. I mean, do you see that change? Yes. And I mean, we have, we are very supportive of Brooklyn's birth parents. You know, we have a very open relationship. We text several, you know, several times a week and, and, you know, we have a very good relationship and I'm, she actually has Brooklyn has a little brother now and we're supportive of the mom parenting him. And, you know, we've met him and we've, you know, we try to give them clothes and help them out whenever they need it. And I don't know. I never, I never knew my journey would look like this. You know, the, mm-hmm. even with foster care, I never knew, but having Brooklyn now that I, you know, she just feels like, I mean, she's my daughter. <laughs> right. And she's mine. <laughs> I can say that she's mine. She's, you know, she has our last name now and it's, the five years of all that, it was, it, it's all worth it. All the roller coaster. It was so worth it. Ah, that's why I love the show. Cause at the end, everyone says it's worth it. It's worth it. And people need to hear that. Listen, if you're right in the middle of a struggle, or maybe you've just had a failed adoption and you just feel very discouraged, let Rochelle's story speak to you because she didn't give up. And at the end she can say it was worth it. Can your husband say that too? Absolutely. Cause he loves a baby. And, you know, your kids made it through. Yeah. He said, we should have just done foster care from the beginning. <laughs> and well, every- So funny because no one says that, you know, especially when you're trying to grow your family. It's like foster care is not the place you want to go. And then look for you. It did work. And so it can work for people to have your forever child through the foster care system and have a baby. Still get a baby. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy for yeah. you. I love I love the story. I, I just love your grace through everything. I love your relationship with the all the birth parents that you have been through. And you really show that, you know, you're in it to win it and you're you're willing to adopt the entire story and keep going. And so I just I'm so thankful that you listened to the show and that you wrote your story in. Yes. And your show really helped me because when I was listening to it and you always like you will adopt. You know, if you don't give up, you will adopt or whatever. Is that something like you say, right? Yep. Your baby is coming. I always say, don't give up. Your baby's coming. Yes. And that really helped me, especially when I felt like I didn't have any support and everybody said I should quit. (laughs) So thank you. Thank you, April. (laughs) I love hearing that. That makes me so happy. I'm so happy that we can be a part of your journey. And thank you for coming on today, Rochelle. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. If you have an adoption story you would like to share, please email me at afallon at adoptionnowpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining. See you next episode.